Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As we've alluded to on our other shows, this offseason, our Crack Rackets team attempted to speak with every Power 5 men's and women's head coach employed throughout the college tennis world. We asked each of them about their team's respective 2021 seasons and what we should expect from them here in 2022. Of course, we also offered them a platform to share their thoughts on some of the big picture topics in college tennis. It is a fantastic series that our team is ecstatic to finally start sharing with the broader college tennis community over the next six weeks. Fans can expect no fewer than 10 episodes a week to be posted on this feed. A huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support with this series. Remember, go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to express your thanks. With all of that said, we're ready to get to today's episode. So Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Joining us on the podcast now is a returning champion here to our Crack Racket shows. Of course, you may know him best as a multi-time All-SEC selection while playing at the University of Arkansas. Of course, now we know him as the head coach of the Mississippi State men's tennis team. Welcome back to the show, Coach Matt Roberts. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Love what you're doing with, with, with the podcast and, and helping college tennis grow. And uh, yeah, have a few days to relax, enjoy family time for, for Christmas. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, the drive from Mississippi to Arkansas, is that a daunting one? That's what, like four hours, five hours? Well, we try to avoid Memphis. So if you avoid <laughs> Memphis, you know it's a stock 440. Uh, if you go through Memphis, it could be four, four and a half or less, but you could also uh, <laughs> be pretty frustrated. At, why, you, why did I make this decision to go through Memphis again? <laughs> So it just depends on which route you take. But uh, yeah, so my wife is in, in Columbus working at a hospital um, recently. So we decided to go through Memphis yesterday since it was easier to go through Columbus and then Memphis. And, and I told her, I said, don't ever let me come through Memphis again. Don't let me do this. <laughs> uh, but here we are in Arkansas. Uh, we just got in last night, so um, excited to see the family. Yeah, it's very nice to hear. And obviously, it's holiday season. So, of course, happy holiday to you and your family. And Look, I know tennis has been something that I'm sure is near and dear to your family since forever. You've been playing tennis your mm-hmm. whole life, and obviously you've had a bunch of success in the tennis world. And, you know, this is a question I like to ask a bunch of coaches, particularly those who have experienced different levels of the tennis world. 
What is it about the college game coach that keeps drawing you back? What is it about college tennis that, yeah. you know, has shaped your career? <clears throat> well, so, you know, I was lucky when I was in Little Rock, I was lucky to, to have a coach that played at UALR. He played for Jeff Zinn. His name was Thomas Anderson. So he's, he was one of the Swedes that played at UALR. So uh, I think he and this other Swedish guy, Martin, uh, literally looked at the list of American colleges starting at A, and they tried to go to Arkansas, but the coach at the time didn't want to bring both in. So they then go to U University of Arkansas, Little Rock, and that was Jeff Zinn. And he said, yep, I'm going to sign both you guys. And they played, I mean, they had a great team. And uh, he stayed after UALR. He stayed in Little Rock and started coaching. And I was one of his first juniors. And he literally saved me. I was going to quit tennis. You know, I was going to just kind of go down that road of, of probably joining a fraternity in college. and um he just there was something about him that made me stick with tennis you know he would he would break me down and, and build me back up I mean he was tough and he's still a guy like I'll go see him today he still has like a lot of juniors um I think we're going to probably play tennis at some point when I'm in town um and so because of him he got me to just love tennis you know I went to Arkansas I didn't know if I wanted to play pro or not I didn't even think I was good enough to play pro I taught tennis for about a year and then I saved up and saved up enough money to go, okay, let's go travel and play some futures. So I played two years of futures all over Mexico, Europe, you name it. And very quickly realized you don't make much money out here and <laughs> it's a lot of fun, but what am I going to do? And so I just got lucky to through Thomas and Jeff Zinn. I had an opportunity to, to be Jeff Zinn's assistant at wake, but he hired Nate Emge from Michigan state. And then I called Coach O uh, at Michigan State, and he said, he "said you want to you want to get in the game? You you want to get in the game? You serious?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I want to get in the game." <laughs> you know, he said, "Where where are you right now?" I said, "Well, I'm I'm in Maine teaching tennis at a country club." He said, "I'll be there tomorrow," and I was like, "Okay, I guess I guess he's interested in me." Okay, let's go, and and he comes walking up to this. We 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 had coffee at this hotel at this really nice club. He had his socks up to his knees, green mesh shorts, tucked in dry fit shirt. I was like, this guy's unreal. I mean, I got to get to know this guy. And he was like the, the nicest guy. He was like, I need you to wear the black hat. Can you wear the black hat? I was like, yeah, I mean, let's go, man. I'm ready to ready to get into the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he gave me an opportunity. I was making $20,000. I slept on a futon. I, uh, I said, you got to find me a place to live. So he emailed some volleyball coaches. And, and so I lived with a, uh, it's like their husband and wife. Now he's actually the head coach, I think at Western Michigan. Um, but yeah, I had, I had 200 bucks a month uh, rent, slept on a futon and just loved it. You know, I just loved the individuals. I loved building a culture. I love the recruiting part of it. And he did all the fundraising. He was in his office all day, just sending out emails, trying to fundraise because we had no money, you know, we had, we had three and a half scholarships. And so it just, after you play pro and you kind of live out there, you're like, well, there's, there's an opportunity for me to help these young aspiring pros. Cause I did it, you know, obviously they're going to do it way better than I did, but you know, I lived it, I, I tasted it. And so let's try to find these guys that may not have, you know, the sponsors or the federation supporting them. And let's, Let's give them that experience here, but let's also combine that with, you know, building a culture where, where people are trying to inspire each other, trying to push each other and teach them accountability. And 
you know, uh, Tanner and I started it and, and, uh, it's, it's been a fun journey ever since. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, looking through your history, I had no idea prior to, I suppose this conversation, well, you know, going into this conversation. So you did a tour in East Lansing, you were there for what, three years? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was one of those each year coach O would try to get like something we could add on to it, you know, sure. and it was, and I loved it there. It was like, okay, let's get a $5,000 rate. That That's huge for me, you know, mm-hmm. or let's, uh, let's see if we can get, you know, health insurance. Um, and so <laughs> sure. it out, and that's like kind of created like some, a, a good list of assistant coaches that he's been able to have. And, and Harry's doing an awesome job there now. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. I, I liked Michigan a lot and, and I just liked being in a different part of the country. And, and, uh, you know, I, I would snowboard all the time on my days off. It it was, it was cool. It's just something different. You know? Yeah. Now I'm starting to see where the snowboarding, the skiing comes into play there. Cause yeah, three years right. in East Lansing, you're like, get me out of here, get me to the mountains. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But I feel like <laughs> it's so funny. Cause now I'm looking at that. I'm like, okay, so he recruited Aaron Fister. I'm like, Harry Jaden, this is all yeah. Matt Roberts fault. It's like, okay, these are all, you know, cause I'm a Michigan man through well, and through. So these are the names Coach that are o, near and Coach dear. would have his eye on them. And then I would just go out and watch it. And I would say, yeah, this Drew Lead can, this guy can play, you know, he's, he can be solid or Aaron Fister, you know, or it's like Bogotov, that guy was so talented. We just had to like dial that guy in, you know, we had to make sure he was sleeping and, and, you know, <laughs> eating well. And, but that guy was, we, we had, and that's how I met Pear and Matt Hill. You know, so Matt Hill has Michigan, you know, ties. And so he would always come back and, and come into my office. And, and I just looked up to him and Pear and, and Mississippi State like, these guys are doing it, man. I, I remember going to all American and seeing their whole team supporting each other, you know, where we would have like one player from Michigan state. We, we would, we could rationalize bringing one with our budget. We, they'd have the whole team there, like getting through qualities. I'm like, these guys, this is it, man. This is what I want to do. And then Matt would pop up in my office and he would say, you know, who are you recruiting? And like, we would just brainstorm, He'd say, yeah, this is what we're doing. And, and here's who you need to recruit because of their academics. And, and I just looked up to him and pair. And then he said, well, why don't we play? So they came and played us, then Ohio State. This is right after like a, a Hawaii trip yeah. or to start the spring. And we, my team, we looked forward to this match for a whole year. You know, we would literally train to try to beat Mississippi State. It was like, this is our opportunity. You know, they're top 10. They're going to be coming from outdoors on our glass courts let's let's do this and we lost the doubles point but we won five first sets and i remember pear was so mad like you could just see him fuming and he he got the manager to go over and 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 film one of the matches because that guy was not he wasn't competing well and he got a camera on that guy's court and that helped that turned that match around it made the it held him accountable and it and it turned that match around and then you start seeing Malte Strop screaming to to push the other guys. And then next thing you know, they're winning second sets and, and we lose the match five two. But it was a dog fight. And and I think that's that helped me get a chance to coach in the SEC. You know, I think Paris started to talk to some of his uh, you know, other coaches he respects and and Billy Pate said, you know, Matt, I think it was Ross Wilson, Matt Roberts. There was a couple other coaches like that that, that could be a good assistant coach for you. And um pair called me i said yeah I'll, I'll be there so i drove down to starkville and uh did a day interview and and i just i wanted to be closer to family and mm-hmm. you know learned so much from pair and so that's kind of what led me to, to to mississippi state 
No, that that's awesome to hear. And again, from what another thing I've learned as I've do, dove further and further into the college tennis world is that Billy Pate's the kingmaker. You got to go kiss the he ring is. if you're looking for the job. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, yeah I, I love that. And again, it's it's a coaching fraternity, of course. But you know, with all of that said, I believe you're now entering year eight. I want to say at the helm and Mississippi state. Yes. And obviously you've been there even mm-hmm. longer than that, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm curious with that in mind, with all of your experiences in college tennis, I want to obviously talk about your guys last season. You know, how weird was last fall? I know obviously you got, you know, 2019, you lose the Strali and Nuno and Trevor mm-hmm. class of kids. And so 2020, it feels like, all right, we're finding our weeds. We're turning the page. It's a new generation that's ripped away from you as well. Just, you know, again, that nine month stretch, I have to imagine was one of the funkiest nine months of your college tennis career. Yeah, it it was a challenge, but like I said, you know, getting to coach in the SEC is it's, uh, it's special because you have so many coaches that care so much. And I feel like we're communicating better and better every year. Um, when I first got in the league, you could feel kind of this like, division or somewhat of this uh this the coaches that have been around maybe have had some sort of animosity and and I feel like now there's really none of that you know we're just all trying to do the best for our teams and our in our conference and I've learned so much from you know the Manny Diaz and and Josh Goffey's um George Cusack has stepped up and done a lot of great things for us and you then you have like the Ians that are just you know the the way they think and what they bring to the table and Cedric's really pushing something for our conference right now. And, and obviously, I mean, you can just literally go through the whole conference and say, like, this coach is doing an amazing job. This coach. Is and so when when you push, uh, you know, from our group with the with the SEC, you're going to you're going to get this. Um, we're going to problem solve. You know, we're going to find a way to make it happen. And I think what we did was doing these hidden duels. And Josh and George got together, proposed this, and we said, this is a great idea. SEC approves it. And then we kind of carry that momentum into, well, what do we want to do for the spring? How do we want to do this? Well, let's, let's build in some off weekends and keep our schedule the same. And we had a great year. And the, the hidden dual thing is kind of, I've listened to some of your podcasts. It is great. You know, I think you need to find that balance for your program. Every program is different, but I do think the hidden dual is a great way to market your your program in the fall mm-hmm. no in, in I'm, college tennis i'm afraid now that all of you know my questions so i'm like all right i'm just gonna have to throw the list out <laughs> and just throw a complete new thing at you but you, but you mentioned it there and you know i know george josh send the email hey let's play hidden duels how valuable was that for your team particularly given yeah i know geo flow they had played plenty of reps and singles and they're guys who would have fit in in a dual well, match regardless it, but you what start, did that do for your well, team? Well, you get that experience. The guys get the experience early on. You get to see where everyone's at. You get to start building that trust in each other's um, ability to problem solve, ability to support. You know, that's the main, you get a feeling and a taste of like, well, where are we in that? Are we trusting each other? Is every single person in right now? Or is this guy vulnerable? And, and if he does go down, is he going to come back? You, you start to get a feeling for that. And then you can apply that in your practices. You can say, okay, well, these guys need more sets. These guys obviously need more adversity in practice. Um, or they, these guys are, are, are leading. These guys are very trustworthy. So how can I have that person help the guy that's struggling with that? Or how can we eliminate this uh, fear of failure? You know, because so much of it with these guys is they don't want to, they don't want to fail. They don't want to lose. 
And so how do you rewire their minds that like, there's no such thing as failure. You know, it's, it's a process of growth. Uh, you're not going to let anybody down as long as you compete and try hundred percent. And these hidden dual matches are a great way to get an early test of that. And, and then you want also want to combine for us. I mean, we're recruiting inter, all international, basically. Um, we are recruiting guys that want to be a pro. We're recruiting guys that want to get some ATP points throughout the year. So it, for them, I feel like right now it's either, do you want to play a futures or do you want to play a hidden duel? It's not like, like, I don't, I don't think the regionals and the all American. Yeah, of course they want to, it'd be great to go to nationals, you know, but for them, it's like, I either want to play with my team or I want to play futures. Mm-hmm. And so this year we did, I think we did two futures Fayetteville and Tallahassee. Uh, we took the guys to all American that could play Maine. Um, and then we had our, our hidden duel. We hosted Michigan, Alabama, Tulane and, and Wichita state filled in some spots. And that was amazing. We could market that. Like it was a hidden duel weekend. We had, my guys were like, coach, we have like a couple hundred people in the stands. Like, like they, they didn't think we would have this in the fall, but I really pushed with our, our marketing team at Mississippi State. I'm like, we got to get graphics out. We, ha- we have to get this information out as soon as possible. And then we're going to be able to like market our spring from our fall tournament here. And so I think those are great opportunities to market these hidden duels. And then, and then we did regionals. Um, it was like, but at that point, it, it's almost like they were looking to either go play one more features or, you know, we did another Georgia Tech hidden duel. It's like, why are they playing? Why are they coming to college? Why are they playing tennis? It's like they want to be on the team. They love playing for the team, but they also want to be a pro. So it's like, how can we make these college tournaments give them opportunities for pro to, to where they say, okay, this makes sense. And in the recruiting process, you can say, look, if you do this or this in this college tournament, you'll get a wild card or, you know, I, I think we can intertwine that a little bit better uh, to give them those incentives with the college tournaments. Mm-hmm. And you alluded to a bunch of different things there that I obviously I think are going to, that will resonate with our listeners. You know, one of them being, again, marketing what you guys are actually doing in the fall. And obviously mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pouring a little butter on you, but you're already in the interview. So whatever, I suppose I don't need to do this. That said, it's very clear the tennis community you guys have built in Starkville, and it goes back, you know, to the fact that the high fives you guys will do with the fans leaving after each mm-hmm. and every match that they play, that is something that clearly you think about when trying to grow your team. Uh, again, I, I've asked this to a bunch of college coaches, and we're getting big picture here. We'll get back to 2021, your team, and, you know, again, the big push you guys made throughout the course of the year, but when we look at college tennis more broadly and how to grow the game moving into the future, you know, there are two lines of thought. It's do you have to amend the product moving forward? Are there changes we can make to make it more commercially appealing, whether it be to television sponsors, whether it be to, uh, you know, just sponsors in general to, to your casual fans? Or, you know, is it a marketing problem? And that's not meant to be an indictment of the ITA or any individual coaches. But I'm curious, coach, if you think, well, think- again, is it a product issue or is it a marketing issue? I think it's a marketing issue. I think the product is good. I think the ITA has done some great things to to equip the coaches with some ideas. You know, we've done some some um, video calls. We've done there. There's a lot of information now where we can go pull from. Okay, well, how do we make our facility a club, or how do we get tennis, you know, rocking and rolling on our campus? 
they're they're doing that but it's it comes down to the coach saying well let's do something more than just try to win i mean winning is great i want to keep my job yes we want to have success here but what can we do to make it more exciting what can we do to make it exciting for our, our players and also our, our community and that's something this year that i've really tried to dive into um i think you know i talk to matt hill all the time you know we we go back and forth and we just brainstorm and he he said when he was at arizona state his first year i think it was one of the other coaches said you got to get a director of ops you got to find a way to get a director of ops you know combine some manager scholarships do something but you need one because they're going to be able to help you you know grow so i took that advice and i looked at you know, our CFO, I said, well, we have a manager scholarship and, and then the women have a manager scholarship. Yes, we will lose a stringer, but uh, can we combine that and create a salary for a director of ops? And he said, yeah, I mean, let's, let's do it. It's a great idea. So we've hired a director of ops. We found a stringer. Um, and then let's get a volunteer assistant coach in here that can run camps, that can get the kids from the community out here, that can run a ball kids program. You know, so now you have two people doing a lot of the ideas if you're a head coach you have these ideas but you need people to help execute them for you and so then you start it's like a spider web you know it's like let's let's just grow this web of ball kids tennis camps um our bulldog tennis club we, we just started this year we have over 45 families involved in that we're doing um i call them hit and giggles coach cox at arkansas we, we used to do hit and giggles he and and that was the way Cox raised money for the the free pizza for the for the matches. Yeah. So I've kind of taken a page out of his book, and we've had one hit and giggle. We're gonna have two more. We're doing open tennis nights for the members, so we're letting them come and play on our courts. Um, total probably six times in a year, and then we'll do a year in tennis banquet. We're doing food at our matches for the Bulldog Tennis Club. Um, I just mailed out parking passes, and, and you know food passes for them, shirts. So it's like, yes, it takes more work, but these people are going to come with their pass and feel like I'm, I like, I belong here. I've joined this club. I want to really get to know the team. Let's, let's really like hook into this program and support them. And then let's get into the women's uh, tennis matches. And, and it's just like, let's grow tennis in Starkville. And it, this year for me has just been a very, it's like an, it's like an exercise it's a it's an experiment to just let's just grow let's just see what we can do and i think that's what we have to get this information out to coaches and say you're here if you don't have a director of ops here's what you can do you can go to your you know your athletic director and say we need one here's here's a way to do it or you know you obviously have to problem solve i mean you got to find ways to make it happen um but i think like me talking to matt hill inspired me to do it i just think there's so many other coaches that can do it or maybe are already doing it but might want to you know revamp it but it's like there's so many ways to get the community to come out to your matches and i think it's a marketing issue i think if you make something important on your campus to your athletic director they will help you um, execute that idea but if you don't really make it important they're not going to come to you as the tennis coach and say, well, what can we do to market your matches? Like they're just going to see your, your name on their to-do list. And they're going to say, well, tennis, when you compare tennis to football in their eyes, I'm sorry, but they're just going to say, well, he hasn't really come to us with anything. So let's just do the usual, you know, 
But if you go to them and say, no, I want to do this, I want to do this, and, and you guys can help me get this graphic out, or you can help me manage an email list. I mean, getting their emails is number one. You have to get a, a huge list of their emails. How do you get their emails? When they come into the match, you have someone from marketing asking them if they want to be a part of our, our newsletter. Get their emails, you know, and start creating this debt database. From there, you can grow your Bulldog Tennis, tennis uh, Club, your tennis camps, uh, ball kids program. And so um, I think that information is very important, but it's just like a lot of it. I didn't realize that until like a year ago. Like I didn't think of that until a year ago. I'm just so focused on recruiting and and keeping my job and, and hanging with these guys in the SEC. But how do we get that information out? You know, I think the ITA has done some some things for us, but I think we can we can definitely push that more for all the coaches. No, I appreciate your candidness. And one of the biggest takeaways for me uh, in doing this process is you start to realize X's and O's is like 20% of a head coach's job. Like, yes, you guys are all mm -hmm. exceptional at coaching the tennis, but it's managing the scholarships and building the program, getting the community to be engaged. That is half the battle, maybe more. And so, again, I sincerely appreciate uh, you sharing all of that with that in mind, you know, you look at your team's 2021 season, 18 and 10 overall, you guys make the NCAA round of 16, but you know, the big number that stands out to me, 13 and three at home. And I know you guys pride yourself at your performance in Starkville year in, year out. By the way, I hope Chris Hellioris is by no means on that email list. Like yank him off the list. He is a detriment to the program. That's Trust a good me. question. Yeah. I don't but, know. That's a good question. <laughs> but you know, with all of that said, um, you know, talk to me about last season, 18 and 10 again, yeah. 13 and 3 at home. What clicked so well for what was essentially a very new group of guys? Yeah, so, you know, Ordini took the fall off and uh, came back and he got, you know, COVID right away and was out. You know, he played a few, he came back strong, played a few good matches. And then, you know, he was one of those that he got COVID and, and he had symptoms. I mean, he was it was tough for him to walk upstairs for a few days. And that was tough because, you know, it took him a while to get back physically, but also mentally. Um, we had another Italian Dada. He, he was injured. So he was out of our doubles lineup. Um, and it's just like, we had some of these ups and downs, but we all knew. And like, this is what I learned so much from Perry and Matt. It's like, you do everything for the sec tournament and the NCAA tournament. Like, everything is like part of that process to get there, to peak there. And we really talk about that a lot. We, we really try to live that. So we don't worry too much about the ups and downs getting to that point, but we all just have this like confidence that we're going to peak at the right time. Everything's going to come together. Um, we're going to get closer as a team. And, you know, we, I think got, you know, we started to get healthy again. And we went to Alabama and they played awesome. It was a night match and they had a big crowd and it was a pretty close match and they, they got us. And it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? You know, we got to keep getting better. And we, we went and played Auburn and we had a, we played a great match. We beat Auburn. I think we won three of the next four mm -hmm. and we went to Kentucky. We playing them outside. It was, I mean, I never played Kentucky outside. And so the, the, just the experience of those fans in between the courts, that was crazy. Um, but no, the guys competed well that match. We went indoors because it, it started raining and, and uh, we made a push indoors. We lost, but it was like, 
you started to feel how tough these guys were, were, were feeling out there. Like they were starting to feel like we can get through anything, you know, like we're, we're building ourselves. And then we went to the SEC tournament and we got to play Alabama again. We played an awesome match. Um, everybody really stepped up. Um, and then we went, man, we played Florida so close. We won the devil's point and we, we had so many three setters and we lost that match. I don't remember if, was it four, two, uh, it could have been like 4-0, but in my mind, it might have been 4-2. But I felt like it was such a close match, and we felt like, all right, let's go, man. Like, where are we going for NCAAs? Like, we're, we're starting to peak. You know, we we got whooped by Florida 7-0 in the regular season, and we pushed them. Like, we're, we're getting there, man. Let's let's keep building and, and have a good week of practice. And then once we saw the draw, you know, we let's go. I mean, we get to play outdoors, warm temperatures. We've, we've been down to Lake Nona. Um, and uh, so it, it just was one of those, like, we, we did peak at the right time, and, and it was an awesome season. It was yeah. a lot of fun. No, and for the record, great memory, 4-2 against Florida in the SEC championship. You're absolutely right. Okay. And, and I know, you know, again, throughout your career, you, you've been a part of a bunch of really fun wins. I think back to the Mississippi State team that went to Illinois, I want to say 2013, and beat them in the second round. Maybe it was 2014. Maybe I have my year slightly off. Um, but you know, there have been some really good wins for the program throughout the course of the year. That said, given, and again, I don't want to harp on this fact, but if you were a college tennis fan, you saw what Nuno did, what Strali did, what Nick did, what Trevor did, what that group was able to elevate Mississippi State as a top 10 program year in, year out. That said, mm-hmm. again, yeah, Flo is back, Geo is back, but I'm curious for you, for your team to go to Orlando, to UCF, and beat UCF after dropping the doubles point in that round of 32. I imagine that's on the short list in favorite wins throughout your career. Yeah, I think it was like, you know, not icing on the cake for us to, mm-hmm. to just be there or to like, we, we felt like, we felt like we had gotten to that point because we, we earned it. We deserved it. And we felt like we were going to win. We just felt like, you know, what we've gone through the SEC schedule, it was like, we felt loose. We have nothing to lose, but we also felt like we're, we're, we're going to find a way. And I think one thing that helped us was we talked about how central Florida had not been there. They had not made the sweet 16. And if you look on paper, I mean, they're probably the better team and, you know, it's like, but how does Carlos beat Hildebrand, you know, and Hildebrand's playing some awesome tennis right now. It's like, how does how does a guy like that do that? It's just like this this feeling of like, you're going to find a way. We lose the doubles point, and it was fine. It was like, all right, let's go to work. Let's hang around. And remember, you know, the team we're playing has not been there. Now, this team really hadn't been there either. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's kind of like, how do you trick your guys into feeling like they deserve to win, even though you go down our whole team, it's like there's there was only two guys that had – been to a sweet 16 or three maybe with ram um so yeah it was an awesome match and i was just so proud of the guys and how they hung around and competed and uh yeah it was it was a good time down there yeah and you know what was so fascinating about your team last season was how many different ways you guys were able to find four points throughout the course of the year and you know you look well let's just start with the double side i'm curious because and, you know, I've asked this to a bunch of coaches, but you play 11 doubles teams last year, which is on the higher mm-hmm. side. And I know, you know, you're dealing with a couple of injuries throughout the course of the season, but I'm curious if that 11 number 
you know, again, what's that a byproduct of? How did, well, how did so, and I'm sure that's know, something you're trying to avoid in the future. Yeah, you you know, you, you go off of last year, the year before, okay, what, what worked for us then? And then you go through the fall. It's like, do you still have that chemistry? And you yeah. go into it thinking you do. It, but sometimes you just lose the chemistry between guys. Like it just can get, you know, okay, we just need to mix it up. You know, something's not working here. There, there's that, there's not that excitement level between these guys. So, you know, I sat down, I would call them the Germans, Flo and Ram. You know, they never play together. They're roommates, they're best buddies. It's like, hey, you guys are going to play together. And you're gonna, and not only that, but you're going to play one. And it's like what I told Nuno and Strahler. It's like, they went from number three. And I'm like, you're going to play number one. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, we're going to do a lot of doubles individuals. You're going to be fine. Okay, you're, we're going to figure it out. And so they looked at me like, oh, yeah we're going to get to play together. We never thought you let us play together. So you could see the Germans were pumped to play together. And then, you know, you have memo and Dottie play together in the fall. And so that was kind of like a team for us that we knew um, they were, they're going to work, you know, they're going to always be in the mix. And then it's like, well, how do you, how do you use Oradini? He's got this big serve and forehand and, and who can you put with him to clean up while he's the, you know, the, the setup guy. It's just like, so once we started figuring out that third piece to it, it started clicking. And then, and then we got some, and then we were like confident in our doubles items, just, just like that, you know? So it, it, you have to be willing to change and mix it up, but you also have to like keep things simple and just like, just go with your gut feeling and not overthink things. Mm -hmm. I'm curious as you look at doubles and again, we're nerding out here. Do you emphasize serve and volley for your players the way it was perhaps once impressed upon well, you? I think everyone has their own weapons. They have their own skill set. And if you force someone to do something they're uncomfortable with, then obviously they're going to be in their shell out there. Like, well, I mean, my coach is making me do this. I don't, I don't have a good first volley or my serve's not big enough to, to have a good first volley. So you just have to like do video work with them and say, look, this is how you're good in doubles. This is what you're going to do to help your partner get their forehand, or this is what you're going to do to put pressure on your opponent. And just, main thing is teaching them how to take the middle and get comfortable taking the middle. They're so worried about the line and their movement in a cross court rally is it's like nails on a chalkboard. When I watch it, you know, it's like you are jumping into the alley so hard that even if a ball comes at you, you're not balanced to volley that ball. So teaching them how to time their split step and their movement, just go sometimes. And, and you know, like I used to always pick on Trevor, if he's listening to this, he's going to start laughing. We were at Texas Tech, and we showed him video. I'm like, look how hard you're jumping onto the singles line. Like, how are you going to volley anything? <laughs> and then he's like, all right, tomorrow I'm just going to go. I'm like, yeah, just go. Like, if they beat you down the line, too good. And that next day, he poached on everything and was, like, screaming and fist pumping. Yeah. So there's so many little pieces to it. But, yeah, the main the main thing is teaching them what they're good at. Like, how can you – put pressure on your opponents. Um, how can you get past two balls, you know, serve plus one, how can you consistently make them play three balls? Um, and so, yeah, you just have to kind of piece together weapons. Yeah. No, I, I had a coach tell me that they ran the air. They saw the analytics and like 70% of doubles point ends after the return. Like it's just, you mm -hmm. know, maybe one additional shot, but that's it. And so, yeah, that, that's fascinating to hear. And, you know, 
yeah, I, I, knowing Trevor like I do, he could always work on his poach. Like, let's be honest. We don't like him for his volleys. We <laughs> like him for his pretty face. Um, but no, yeah. I, I, it, it's so interesting to hear that. And, you know, again, I know you are someone who prides yourself on your ability to develop. And I know getting on the court with these guys is something you always value doing. With that said, you know, let's turn the page towards 2022. Talk to me about the mm-hmm. summer. Talk to me about the fall your guys had and, you know, how things are looking this season in Starkville. Yeah, so the guys played a lot over the summer, and they, that was really impressive to me is how they found so many opportunities to compete with with uh, futures or, you know, just anything. And then, yeah, for our fall was, you know, like I said, I feel like the the dual match environment, the hidden duels brought the most out of our guys. Um, and I think we, we've sent a couple to the All-American uh and one of our guys got injured there. So he was out for a while, but um, Broska started playing some really good tennis this fall and, and, you know, this summer as well. So I was really impressed with, with Broska's just, you know, he's been around, he started playing five and six in our lineup and now he's just a leader for us. Um, you know, he's super hard on himself. That's, that's one of the things that we're, we're constantly trying to to help these guys with is just to, you know, they're, you know, forgive yourself sometimes, but he is so tough on himself that it can hurt him. And I think he puts that pressure on himself to to do this or to do that, you know, and he got to the point later in the fall where he was just having fun playing and, and he went undefeated at the Georgia tech tournament. Um, and, you know, Carlos, he's going to be a rock for us this year. We have a mid year coming in from Argentina, Batista Vilasic, and he's going to bring a lot to the table. He's a great guy. Um, and then you have Alberto and Dada and Gregor. And I mean, we're going to have a good group and I'm excited to see what we can do with it. Yeah, no, you mentioned it, uh, that you're bringing in another person. I know you guys had seven guys this fall. And obviously when you look mm-hmm. at that number, you think, uh, you know, you're one injury away, that always is going to make things tough. But, you know, again, when you look at the guys here, this, this, uh, fall and, you know, I think they go 25 and 25 overall in tournament play, 14 and 16 overall in doubles. I'm curious, what are the principles you're stressing here in the fall? What are the, the foundational things you're trying to set for this team so that, you know, again, they are prepared come January. I know right away you guys have a bunch mm-hmm. of matches, even pre-kickoff. What are the things you're stressing here in the summer, in the fall, to prepare them for January? Yeah, so I feel like this fall we, we really worked a lot on mental routines, routines between points having a plan and a purpose every point, Um, having self-awareness of where you're at mentally. Maybe if you lose focus one or two points, getting on yourself to, to uh, reset and, and just what is your routine? How, how are you going to hold serve? You know, what is your, what are your plays? I think we really just went into that a lot. And it, at the beginning, it was almost like too much, you know, for them, like, well, they're thinking too much, but uh, you know, We've implemented some things like like journaling. I think that is as huge for a tennis player is to, you know, have that opportunity for them to self-reflect after a practice, set their goals for the next day. And that takes some time for everyone to get used to. But you could see towards the end of the fall that they were really creating a system for themselves and they were um, really, you know, buying into it. And I think that's going to help us a lot in the spring, you know, some sort of like how do you implement visualization? How do you implement, you know, these, these uh, exercises for them to accept stress? It's going to be stressful. It's going to be tough. Go ahead and visualize, accept it. And then how are you going to respond to that? So we worked a lot on that this year. 
Yeah. No, it, 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 you know, it's fascinating because obviously right away you guys are playing host to the kickoff weekend. And, you know, this is my mm-hmm. least favorite of the kickoff regions because it's you guys. And that's Kentucky, pretty boring. Al- yeah, yeah, it's like you couldn't get more creative. Like get the four SEC teams hey, right up the bat. don't blame me. Hey, I didn't get to choose. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, but, you know, again, one of the things that, and I apologize to listeners who have heard this a million times, I think it's the dumbest thing in the world that there's a dead period right before the start of the season. Like that is just not helpful for anyone for these coaches you know four weeks in a row and these guys aren't training the way you know they're training from midway through August through the end of November when you've got their hands on them Um, and I just think there are some inefficiencies in the college tennis schedule that we're all aware of but we don't discuss enough I'm curious I think one of those big ones is just again the eight hour rule and the lead up to the season is it time to re-examine that is that eight hour rule you know not enough how frequently are kids coming to you and saying you know matt can you work with me on the court today and you have to say look like, yeah i love you but i can't uh, we, we definitely have a few of those on our team right now that get bummed out when we have to go to eight hour weeks mm-hmm. or when they when we can't work with them at all during exams and like they just so i'm not going to see you anymore i'm like you can come to my office it's like it it is it's a bummer for them you know but this is something we're doing for when you include every sport it's so I don't really have a solution or any ideas. I'm just like, let's just make the most of it. Let's deal with it. Uh, but I, I do agree. It's it's tough for the guys. Yeah, it's just, it feels like, again, that eight-hour rule, it just doesn't reflect the modern demands of tennis, right? Like, I mean, maybe for a Nuno Borges who, you know, doesn't want to be on the court, doesn't want to be, uh, you know, doing the fitness stuff, he's like, no, it's eight-hour rule. You know, I've hit my four. I'm good. Um, but I feel like for a lot of these guys, particularly just given how young your team is, right? Like, I feel like this year, perhaps more than ever, it would have been great to just extend those 20-hour weeks for just a little bit longer. Well, it's also an opportunity to teach them leadership, to allow them to take ownership of things. And I, that's what, I, I guess, over the years, I've really learned how to, like, push them and communicate with them. So we'll have, you know, meetings with them at the end of the fall and, and I'll ask them questions, which, what is your plan? You know, what do you guys want to do? And um, I remember one day I went in the locker room. This was a few days after we'd shut things down and I, and I look at our dry erase board and there was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, all through the week, what we're going to do. Uh, this is what practice is going to look like. And I thought that was really cool to see, like, a, and I'm trying to figure out whose handwriting is that, you know, but they, I guess they had a, they had a meeting together. And they all broke it down. What, what are we going to do together? What's our plan? So that was really cool for them, for me to see that they're they're stepping up and they're taking ownership for their team because it, it is it is their team. And I tell them that all the time. Like this is not this is not my team. It's not a coach's team. It is your team. Mm-hmm. And so trying to teach them how to take ownership of that, it, it's a fun process. Yeah. No, I have to imagine. And obviously, again, when you look at this team this year, they're going to have the opportunity to play a ton of matches right away. They start out, you know. Tennessee Tech, Florida State before, and Middle Tennessee, UAB before the kickoff weekend. And I'm curious, I think I see mm-hmm. three doubleheaders in your schedule. Uh, again, considering the roster size right now, seven, eight guys, what leads to the scheduling principles? Talk to me about how you crafted your schedule. This yeah, season. so, well, being in the SEC, it's nice. You don't have to work too hard on your schedule. We have such a great conference, and you're going to have plenty of ranked opportunities. So you want to find that balance of getting your your 30 to 50s you know, those matches are important. Um, the ones that you feel like, you know, are going to help your ranking if you win, um, not hurt you too much, but you don't want to just schedule everything ranked. Uh, you also want to build in some double headers. You got to be 500. Um, and so you're just going, okay, well, what do we need here? And so 
what I do is I just write out the the next four years on a piece of paper. I just put every day, hypothetically, you know, what do we want here, there? And then you just start adding every couple, you know, you, two years out, you'll start adding this and this. And um, we've been able to play when, when, when COVID, you know, hit us, we, we were able to play a lot more regional, you know, South Alabama, Memphis, MTSU, Tulane's. And in and, and Louisiana Lafayette, that made me realize that we don't have to go too far. We don't have to, like, there's there's plenty of great opportunities in this area. So we've kind of stuck with that. MTSU, Tulane's, Memphis, um, Florida State, we're doing it. We did a four-year deal with them. Uh, you know, Chris, it's my boy down there. It's like, we, we I like playing other programs that I respect and coaches that I respect. You know, it's like, I I think it's uh, it's fun. You know, it's like, well, whether we win or lose, it's, it's fun to compete against people we respect. And so that kind of goes into my scheduling a little bit too. No, I love that. And that's why Tass and Trevor will never be on the schedule. Let's be clear. I've tried to get Liberty. <laughs> I've tried. Yeah. And and obviously Pepperdine's very far away. But, yeah. you, you know, I've tried to get Liberty to come down or we'll do a, we'll, you know, we'll do a home and home. Yeah. Um, but I'm not saying he's scared, but, you know, <laughs> he's laughing right now. No, he's doing an awesome job there. We actually got to compete against them at the Clemson tournament, and I love those guys there. They're they're doing it the right way, and uh, and it's just fun to see him do this, man, and be a coach and grow. And he's good. I mean, all these guys that played at Mississippi State, you know, it's like they're they're doing great, and it's so much fun to see them like re- out recruiting us or you know getting a guy. And like, <laughs> how did he get him? And I didn't know about the guy. You know, it's like Tasilo's a machine out there, and um. And Tanner, obviously, Matt Walters, it's uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah, no, it, it is awesome again to see. Yeah, I feel like the Roberts coaching tree is slowly growing. Like, it's it's a pretty nice place to be. Um, but... Well, I look up to Steiny. You know, Steiny's the yeah. godfather. And we do a drill called MJ's, which is like a – it's a king of the core doubles drill. But Steiny, you know, Pear learned it from Steiny, but Steiny learned it from his coach. And mm-hmm. so it's just this like cool. We we do this drill that's we've been doing it for like 30. Someone's been doing this drill for 30 something years or more. And so we had Steiny come down, play us, and it was just so cool to have him come back after 10 years. He hasn't been to Mississippi State in 10 years. It was like, wow, it is different. It's growing. It's a uh, look at this place. And so yeah, he's he's the godfather. I look up to him a lot and how many people have played for him or coached for him that are doing well. And uh no i love to hear it i mean look steiny's always gonna be my coach so you know go that's right oh yeah i'll take the free plug there i haven't texted him yet to do this interview because i'm always afraid that like because sometimes it'll be like alex you know you're a big blessing to michigan tennis but you're also sometimes a burden because i feel like sometimes (laughs) i'll say something and then it'll be a feedback to him and it'll be like why did you let gruskin say this and he's like i have i'll text him after this i'll (laughs) say you have to i did it you have to do it so we'll get him on thank you yeah i just gotta send him the text is the truth but you know to go back a little bit you mentioned something about the 500 rule is that something you think about and i know they waived it last season is that something you'd like to see go away permanently Mm, tough question um i like george's answer he said i i i I wish it would go away but it's like you know it's just something you live with Mm -hmm. like we don't like it but you you i mean it I don't know. It's, it's a, I could see both sides of it, you know, just like, let's just play, let's just play. But, you know, there's also that piece. It it, it makes it, it's a challenge. You know, you, you gotta, you can't, can't over schedule. You got to find that balance for what you think your team is that year, your level. Um, and so it's one thing that you got to just check mark off your, your list. 
So I'm okay with it. I mean, I could see both sides of it, but it's just something we we've learned how to live with and, and adapt to. Cool. Well, with that in mind, some again rule format stuff down the home stretch uh-huh. of this podcast. Uh, you know, again, we we talk about that. I, I want to ask you about recruiting, and obviously, you've had a ton of success developing players again throughout your tenure at Mississippi State, and a lot of them four year guys. That said. You know right now, I mean, you look across the country, you look on the transfer portal, you know if I want to go find a five singles, if I want to go find a six singles for a year or two, you probably can do that right now. I'm curious how you balance informing your roster, you know, again, bringing in the four-year guys versus knowing, hey, you know, I can fill out some of the talent here on the transfer portal as well. Yeah, so the, the, we definitely look at the transfer portal. Um, I feel like it's it's difficult to beat out some – universities that have you know these GA positions available or these one-year master's programs that they can say you're you're for sure in you know we're gonna we're gonna speed that process up for you so you know you're in you know it's it's a little slower here we have to wait until March if we know they can you know get in um they're they're having to do these zoom interviews and then it's really hard for us to get them a GA position so we're gonna have to use our four and a half so I feel like when it comes to the transfer portal for these one or two year guys, um, it's been tough for us to to land them. Um, but no, we definitely are. We're trying to get in there. We're, we're trying to like show our program to as many kids as possible. Um, but yeah, what what we're trying to do is, you know, just get this group to where they're going to get along. And and you got to find the the type of person that you think is going to be a, a good fit for this team. So how do you do that in the recruiting process? Well, you, you got to ask them tough questions. You have to go see them compete. You got to see them under adversity somehow. You know, you're not going to know anything about a kid until you see him compete a couple of times. And that's what we're trying to do. It's difficult right now, especially with the travel limitations. But um, we just want to we want to feel like the all the guys on our team want to compete in practice, are hungry to get better. They want to push each other. Um, and then also someone that wants to be a pro is important that someone that wants to play after college. And, and uh, that's kind of our, our basis for what we're looking for. And, you know, Jake's doing an amazing job just digging and, and working really hard on getting, getting guys interested. And then from there, we'll both work together and either get them on a visit or, you know, that, that next phase. So um, we definitely recruit really hard nonstop. You know, I have this nonstop paranoia and I, and I guess I learned that when I was with pair early on, it's like nothing is uh, certain here, you know, anything can happen. And so you just have to constantly stay on it and just like work and, and message and, and send, you know, PDFs, PowerPoint presentations. You just have to send information and just connect as much as you can. So it's nonstop, you know, even through Christmas, I'll, I'll want to turn it off in my mind, but it's like, I'll be on my phone every day. My wife will be like, put your phone down. Like, you know, <laughs> enjoy time with your family. But it's like, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's just nonstop. No, I can only imagine how many Merry Christmas messages you must have to send on Saturday where it's just like, yeah, it's the mass list to the recruiting list. Hey, Merry Christmas. But, you know, one last piece for you for recruiting. And I think this is a very Mississippi state centric question here that I haven't been asking other schools because I think if you look at men's college tennis, and again, a little bit of butter here for your morning, but I think you guys have done as well, if not better, in international recruiting than perhaps any other school out there right now. And I'm curious, again, uh, you don't have to give away all the tricks of the trade, but what is the approach to international recruiting? How have you been able to find guys like 
you know, the Nunos of the world, the Strollies of the world. Obviously, you look at a guy like Flo, who comes from playing five and six, now going to play probably number mm-hmm. one singles this season. How do you find these hidden gems? Well, good assistant coaches. I think <laughs> I've been blessed with a lot of really good assistant coaches. And, you know, I definitely push them. And, you know, you, you'll have some tough conversations. or, But, like, like I, I'll go back. Like, I'll learn that from Pear. I mean, he, I would go see a kid. And then I wouldn't follow up with them for a few days and they'd already be on a visit somewhere else. And I would hear, like, I'd hear from Pear about it. I would just be like, oh my gosh, I messed up. Like, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, like I lived it. And so I bring an assistant coach in or like Jake's been with me for a couple of years and he's going to be an amazing head coach. And like, he's the point now where I don't have to like check on him or like push him. Like he's, he's setting up calls and he's like, he's pushing himself. And he has these goals for himself. Like he'll go to these tournaments and he'll have these goals of how many kids, you know, he wants to to connect with, meet with. And like, he's very self-motivated. And I think that's helped us so much, um, you know, early on with Tanner, like Tanner was on it. He just needed me to make that like push for him. Like, okay, go meet in person with this kid. Like, well, they really don't know if they want to go to college or not. Like, it doesn't matter. Like after you show them, you know, back then it was like a Mac uh, iPad presentation or something. They're going to be a lot more interested in college. Trust me. And then like, once you do that, you kind of, it's like, it's kind of like dating, you know, when you're nervous to take a girl out, you're like, ah, should I take her out? Or like, where, you know, it's like, just do it. Just hang out. You know, you like this girl. Like it's in a, it's a weird analogy, but it's like, you're not going to know if you like this girl, unless you take her out on a date, just do it. And then Next, you know, you're, you're developing a relationship. So you have to do that in recruiting. You have to like break down that wall of like, um, I don't know if this guy's interested in Mississippi state. I don't know if he'd be a good fit. Like, just do it. Like we don't get anybody coming to us. Well, now we get a few more, but we rarely get good players that say, Hey, I want to come to Mississippi state. Um, we have to go after the kids. So you have to be pretty forward, but also, understand who you're working with and and understand like what are they looking for how can you help this player and that's what we're trying to do and once they get here they go wow this uh, if we can get them on a visit it's like wow this place is cool you know it's it's an amazing campus beautiful campus the facilities are unreal it's like let's see if we can just get them here on a visit they get to know the guys on the team and we feel like if we can get them here they're gonna say mom dad I want to come to Mississippi State. This is this is really cool. I like it. Yeah, so no, I love that. I was going to say, with goal. that in mind, give me the recruiting pitch because this is something I want to offer every school the chance to do. I think far too many of our listeners haven't had the chance to hear directly from you all. Why should I come down to Starkville? Why should I ride with the Bulldogs moving forward? I can't give away all my secrets. You know, <laughs> Alex, you'll just have to come down yourself. Okay. Uh, we'll, you, we'll do an SEC match. I'll show you around. Um, I'll show you some of the hidden secrets in Starkville. We got some really nice restaurants and some cool places here. And it's like, it, it, it is a place that grows on you. You know, I'm, I'm a lot of, I like to play a lot of golf and I joined the country club, Starkville country club, like, I don't know, five years ago. And now there's a waiting list. They, they redid the pool. Um, the golf course is in amazing shape. We got clay courts now. So I'll actually go out with all my golf buddies and, and do like a, a king of the court men's night and uh, run some doubles drills for these guys. And now they're in the Bulldog Tennis Club and they, they're so pumped to come to our matches. 
So it's it's a really cool place. I mean, we say it's like family, and you hear that at other universities, but it's like really is family in Starkville. And uh, my wife and I love it. It's we're in an awesome neighborhood right across the street from the country club. So um, yeah, come on down. I'll show you around. It's it's a lot of fun. That's what I like to hear. No, um, it's on my to do list. Um, without question, I'm like I can't have Chris at campuses that I have yet to get to. So you right. know, I got I got a long list of SEC schools. Now Chris gotta... would come and bring his he would bring his RV and yeah, he would we... mountain bike. We had some trails on campus, and he would I would meet up with him in the morning, and we would go mountain bike some of these trails, and he would park his RV where all the baseball campers were, you know, and so. <laughs> He loved it. He, he would just live out of his RV for the weekend. Oh, he's the funniest human in the world unintentionally. He doesn't realize it, but, like, yeah, he slots. I mean, you're at the Orlando parking lot last year, and, like, you just see this massive RV in the back of the parking lot. It's like, yeah, that's he's Christmas. The, he's the new John Valeni of uh, st- <laughs> statistics of college tennis. He's like the John Valeni, but the grown-up version. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know if everyone knows who John Valeni is, but that guy was is a legend. He's um, like if Bill teachers. James, if Bill James, uh, you know, noted baseball statistician was horribly untalented, it would be Chris Haliorus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, sorry. No, I, I take shots at him. He knows it's all from a place of love. All right, again, I've kept you over time here, so I'm going to rapid fire at you. Sorry. Right. ITA rankings. My theory about them is they should be 12 months. It should be just a 12-month rolling ranking. We're, we're tennis, just like any tennis ranking system, why we reset at the start of each year, why you know only certain things matter. I just think they're not as accurate as they could be. I would go to a 12-month rolling ranking system, maybe even incorporate things like UTR Pro Results. Where are you with the ranking? Yeah, I, I definitely think we have to find a better way to keep the best players in there. Um, and I also think the same with team rankings. I feel like when we do these voting rankings for a period, it's like, I feel like the computer system's going to make it work at, at the end of the season. So why not just like let that roll, um, let it calibrate or whatever you want to say. But I think like, look at Liam Draxel. I think he should, he should be able to slide right back into you know, top five in, in college. I mean, yeah, you could say it's unfair for the guys that competed, but you can look at his results and his UTR and, and his, what he's been doing and say he deserves to be somewhere in there. So how do you, how can you do that? I, I don't know. I mean, do you do a 12 month? Do you implement UTR? Uh, do you do a protected ranking like you can do with injuries, you know, in pro? You could, you need to find, we need to find something to keep the best players in there. Um, last year was tricky with COVID and, and having some guys like in the big 10, that was a mess. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a, that's, uh, that's a, uh, it's interesting thought. I, I think we should do something though. Yeah, no, I, to me, it's again, there's two lines of thinking is, do you want the college tennis rankings to be as accurate as possible and reflect who the best players in college actually are? Or do you want them to be a screenshot of who the be- who's achieving the best college results in any given season? And I think it's a fair school of thought to be on either side. For me, why you move to a 12-month rolling ranking system, and this is a little butter for you here. Again, this is, the, the t- this is, I think, one of the fun questions I'll ask is, you move to the NCAA individual tournaments to the fall, which I know is something they've talked about forever, something they are seriously considering to me. One of the only ways you're going to be able to do that successfully logistically is if you do adjust the ranking system to incorporate UTR, to incorporate pro results. And, you know, mm-hmm. for me, the, the, the best idea, the pinnacle would be to play the U.S. Open, uh, to play individual second week of the U.S. Open. 
Like, again, I know there are a lot of logistical nightmares. I know I just threw a bunch of different things at yeah, you. Yeah, no, I like that idea. I just don't know if since they're going to be traveling unattached since you're out of season, you know, how would they afford that? You know, how would you help them with their expenses to that? Um, and what percent of schools would sponsor a senior to come back after they've graduated to play an NCAA yeah, tournament? Very tricky. few. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it, it's interesting, but I I mean I'm curious where you're at with the NCAA individuals because obviously you've done that trek in 2019. Yeah, I'm sure you I were mean, in Orlando I, for a month. I like the grind. I, I like yeah. uh, I, I like it. I mean, Flo beat Henry Squire last year first round. Like that was a big win for him. It, you know, it's like it might not have been a big match for Henry, but like for Flo, that was that was huge. You know, now look what Henry's doing and playing pro and doing really well. It's like we we like that part of the season like we do everything for that part of the season like we want to peak then and so the year we lost to tcu at home is nuno's uh junior year i think we yeah. no their senior year uh, wanna, we go down oh, yeah, i was gonna say i want to say senior year senior year yeah senior year it's like we lost we we didn't make the final site and it like motivated everyone to like make a push in singles and doubles like they wanted to you know stick around they wanted to you know keep keep working and, and you know it but i could totally see the other side of that like people it's they want to get home they're, they're done they're they're done with school coaches are burned out or they're they're ready to you know start the recruiting season or you got guys they want to go home and you know play in the summer but i like it i think it just needs to be marketed on the campuses better i think you know it, it was at lake nona that's great but like it's Orlando. Like we should be able to have more people in Orlando come to these matches. Like, how do we get, how do we get more of the community to come out and watch? You know, if it's at Athens, Georgia, you're going to have people come out. Like you, the college campus, I think brings a great feel to it. If that coach and that, that marketing department of the school pushes it and says, let's find a way to get people out. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. I don't want to see it in the fall. I'd like to keep it in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think if you, if you take that away, it's just like, like, you know, we're all saying, if you, if you let the NCAA, you know, let's take one thing away. It's just like, they're not going to give it back to us. Yeah. So that's kind of scary. Um, I just think we need to stick with it and just market, you know, no, and, that's and, why, that's why to me, you put it second week of the U S open. Cause the NCAA would be like, well, well, okay. That we're in for. They'd be like, that's a stage. That's something we would be invested in. That's something that there feels like there's an, a benefit to the NCAA. So if you're going to move it, you got to do it at a stage like that. But I agree with you. And to hear so many coaches stress that concern of you don't want the NCAA to take anything away. Uh, I think that's definitely something you need to consider. Um, that said, should a non-American receive a wild card if they win the NCAA individuals, regardless of nationality? I think they should receive it. Yeah, I think yeah. they they deserve it. Um, yes, it's the U.S. Open, but they're also collaborating with other, you know, French Open, Australian Open. I mean, you're, they're giving wild cards to each other. You know, mm-hmm. I think uh, if the kid deserves it, he deserves it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it's like, could you think of a better representative of college tennis than Nuno? Like, I would say no. And so right. I don't know why you deny him that opportunity. Um, all right, Correct. So, some format questions for you down the home stretch, and I know we've already prefaced with mm-hmm. marketing needs to be the stress, not playing with the format. But one of my pet theories is that if you're, you know, the most progressive thought, the future of college tennis right now, it's like 10 years from now, we will have simultaneous start. We will play doubles, singles, all matches starting at the same time so that we don't have that pause so that we can get matches under three hours. 
is simultaneous start does that appeal to you at all or are you fine keeping it as is i'd like to keep it as is you know our our shortening the doubles to six and and then going into singles is not that hard for a fan to stick around to see what now i do think singles the first sets are so boring i think it's like okay i'll come back in the second set it's like after doubles yes but that's that's where you have to come up with something for your fans you know free pizza you could go you could let them play like a little bit of a a mini tennis tournament you could have them you know back behind the courts you can get a little mini i don't know just keep keep them around and then they're going to come back and go okay it's now three two coming down to these two courts let's stick around and watch this so you just have to get creative like we're, we're going to be doing some things for our, our our tennis club members just to keep them around like we're not going to give them food right at doubles. i mean we're going to bring in the food you know after doubles and then after they eat a little bit socialize then they'll go back to their stands and seats and say okay now let's see who's going to get to four after these first sets um i don't think you could play doubles and then just one set of singles i mean that's not it's impossible but i like the current format i, I don't know if you start doing that it's like well what, what's the point i mean why, why are we playing doubles and singles at the same time we're not they're not getting to play both and they're not developing um I think there's a lot of pressure involved and that helps these guys grow and develop. And that's what helps you bring these guys to college tennis because you're going to go through the season then you go home and play a futures or a challenger. And there's going to be no pressure compared to this. You're going to feel amazing. You're going to be able to focus like you've never focused before because you're in the middle of nowhere playing one guy, you know, second round of the futures. Like you're going to just be able to lock in a lot easier because college tennis has helped you prepare for that. And I think that's a, we have to keep it. Now, I do think we should be able to warm up with our opponents. That was taken away when we went to the shortened format to go to six and then no ad. That was part of it. And if you're thinking about marketing a match, you should let your your teams warm up with the other team so that you can have your guy get on the microphone and say, playing number one doubles, Alex Gruskin. And then they can see, okay, which one's Gruskin. They can see you not saying you're going to wave to the crowd because you're playing one double. So you're going to be pretty nervous. You know, it's like, but the fans can interact that way and go, okay. And, and it, it hypes up the match. What is two minutes from our overall match time? And I don't think many coaches are, are talking about that, but that's an opportunity to really get people involved with who's playing on what court versus standing in a line, doing a national anthem, you know, so I think we should be able to bring that back. Yeah. For me, I think serves and returns at a minimum. Like, I don't want to see, right. for lack of a better term, <laughs> tennis. Like, just let them get warmed up. Like, let them, you know, again, right. yeah, get loose and all those things. I agree with you. Now, you know, the full 10, I don't think we need to bring that back. And no. I don't, and that's not what you're insinuating, but I agree with you. I think there's definitely some opportunities. I don't think you need five minutes. You, you need a few yeah. minutes just to let them hit a few, take some volleys. Okay. You got one minute, hit a few serves and it gives, it gives the, the guy three minutes to market the match mm-hmm. and, and it gets the, the fans focused, engaged and go, okay, we're about to play. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's something we can implement. Yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. The other ones, and this is where we get funky. And I know you could do this without simultaneous, to be honest, but substitutions. I think that could be some. Again, that is something every other sport has that tennis does not. And you know, and they come out is, like in a bo- in a boxing robe and like 
They're like, <laughs> you know, coming out and you or stop the whole match and say, get the video board going. The- We're bringing in the closer. Give me the closer music. Like, give me whatever you can. Ram's coming in to serve it out. Like, we no longer need you, Strali. Move over. We're bringing in Ram Dog. Yeah, and like, you let him do a line drill right before it and ex- his opponent. Like, man, this guy is ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. I feel like we could do better as college tennis so fans. Who, and gets, I think- who gets the win, you know, and how do you put that in the computer system? They get a partial, partial percentage at point, you know, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's, I don't think that would count towards the rankings, but it would be something fun for the fans, you know, which is why you or, move the falls to, or the, if, to if, the fall. Or the number, one to single, the fall. number one singles player gets off the court pretty quick. You, you have yeah. an opportunity to sub him down in at six for only a set. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, I like there. it. I like it. I'm, <laughs> I'm in favor. Like, again, to me, it's about, and first of all, the real reason is like, if there's an injury withdrawal, a, a team should, there should never be a match that ends on an injury. Like we have enough bench players. There's always going to be someone sitting out. Let him finish out the match. And like, yes, even if it takes a loss, like why would we end a match on a withdrawal? I just think that's particularly stupid, but yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a fan of all of the funkiness of of the substitutions of just making you know again as engaging as possible for all the fans. Last one, would you want a ninety? I know we have changeovers. I know we have bathroom breaks. I think they get abused. If we were to cut down on the abuse of that, but give every head coach a ninety second timeout during a match, like how often have you been playing a match where you'd like to be like, I just need a timeout. I want to bring all my guys in one ninety second timeout. Are you in uh, in favor? That's interesting. I, I think, I, yeah, I think I would like that. Mm-hmm. And I then think. that's 90 seconds for the MC to hype up the crowd. It's like, all right, right. let's bring some noise. We need it here. Right. No, I, I think that's a good idea yeah. because it's, it's balanced. It's fair. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, if one team is about to win and then the, the, the other team does it right well, but you have that same opportunity if you were about to lose, you know, 100%. It's, and I think one thing when, when it comes down to, one or two matches and there's dead space, you know, we're trying to get our, our person in the media booth to, to play some music, just some background music. So there's no awkward silence, you know, that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, trying to educate the person that's doing your matches to like, Hey, if there's no play, when it comes down to one or two courts, just be ready to, to, to fill that space with something, some, some music. Uh, But yeah, the, the timeout and then you, you know, they could, they could talk about the score I think that's another thing too, is a lot of people don't know how to score a tennis match. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you, how do you educate the fans? Do you have on a piece of paper, like how, how do you play to four and what no ad is, you know, we're mm-hmm. trying to put that on our little media guide. Um, but I think our product is great. I think it takes them coming out one or two times to learn the scoring system. They, then they'll start wanting to watch one or two specific people. Cause maybe they saw that person play with a lot of passion and they're like, oh, I want to go back and watch um brosca play that guy's a machine you know so hooking them in like how do you get them out there well you you got to get you got to create a booster club you got to find ways to get them on your courts you got to go through your compliance your general counsel to approve here's the group that we're going to allow to play these tennis open open tennis nights you know just getting them out on the court um doing stuff with your teams hitting giggles you know you just have to do it and once you start building that it's you're going to have a lot of people wanting you to come watch you play. Yeah. And so I, I think, I think our product is, is great. I think implementing a warm up where the, the PA, you know, he can hype it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see though. I think it's, I'm open to evolving. I, I love yeah. new ideas and um, 
no. I think there's a lot of good ideas out there. I love it. Well, then with that, last two questions for you. One last gimmick. Coin toss, overrated. We can do better. One point, drop and hit, head coach versus head coach, winner decides the serving <laughs> arrangement on every court. Tell oh, me you're not funny. down. I mean, I'd be down, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I mean, like, there are well, a lot of really— depends. You're telling me it's, Shelton versus Woodruff? Like, that's not going to get the crowd going? Do we, do we let Steve Denton serve? Because he does have the record of most aces in a row, and I know he can still serve well. So that he, he served 12 aces yeah. in a row in a pro, turn, a pro match. And I would not want to play, you know, one-on-one with him serving. Now, we go out of the hand, let's go. Yeah, um, no, I, I'm saying I, drop and hit because I just want to see can any head coach still make a passing shot? All of you are going to chip and charge. All of you are getting to the net. Let's see those passes. How low can you bend? I think Roditi could still pass. You know, I think <laughs> I think he could find a way to get it past you. That's, uh, no, that's, that's funny. Um, yeah, the the accountability. I would love it. And like you lose three in a row, you're telling me Ram or Flo's not coming up to you and like, coach, get on the line. <laughs> like this right. is unacceptable. Like I need I need more out of you. And so. Again, that's what I'm all about. My final question for you, and I appreciate uh, how willing you've been to go a little overboard here. Um, you know, when, when fans, College Tennis Nation, watches your team compete this season, what do you want the takeaway to be? Yeah, just how hard they compete, you know, and, and how much they care for Mississippi State and their teammates and um, just the passion that they're, they're trying to play with and, you know, how they're able to push each other and how they're able to like hold each other accountable. And we're constantly trying to get better and better in that area. And it's nonstop you know, process of, of, of teaching them how to hold each other accountable and, and feel free to like go over to the guy in between and, and support them or push them. And um, I think that's what I want people to, to take away from our, our matches. Awesome. I love it. Well, again, Coach Roberts, so grateful you took the time to join us today on the, on the Cracked Interviews podcast. You've been immensely kind and patient with all the nonsense we throw your way over the years. So really appreciate getting the chance to chat. Obviously, happy holidays to you and your family and wishing you and the team safety, health, success throughout 2022. I'm getting down to Starkville this year. That's my Let's promise go. to you. Yes. Yeah, all right. You promised. So yeah. let me know when you're coming, what match you want to do, and, and we'll definitely uh, make it a good weekend for you. Thanks for what you're doing for college tennis and keep pushing, man. Merry Christmas. And thanks for everything. I appreciate it, coach. Take care. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 